Well, good evening. Good to see everyone out this evening. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to worship and to praise you. Lord, we ask for your presence to be in, among our presence this evening. Lord, pray that you would be exalted and magnified in all that's said and done. Lord, pray that you give us something to take home with us tonight that we can carry throughout the week. And Lord, just help us in our walk with you. Thank you again for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, page number 418, page number 
do appreciate you being here this evening and our Wednesday evening Bible study and uh, prayer service. Um, we're going to continue in the book of Philippians tonight, Philippians chapter number 2, if you'll turn there, Philippians chapter number 2. The book of Philippians is one of my favorite, probably my favorite book, um, just it's, it brings joy to our lives, it's a book of rejoicing, and uh, in this portion of scripture that we're going to be reading uh, here in Philippians, I believe it's, uh, it's got some great doctrines in it, but I want to look at a practical uh, truth in it, and uh, uh, the Bible says Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. And uh, I believe God has called us to, uh, once we got saved, he has called us to have a new nature. He's given us a new nature and we're uh, new creatures in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, God has put that in us. And as you turn there to Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, If there be therefore any consolation... In Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bows and mercy, if any bows and mercy, fulfill ye my love, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in the lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for allowing us to be in your house to worship and praise you with uh, a dry, warm area that we can uh, just uh, worship you without fear. And uh, Lord, we just ask, uh, Lord, tonight that you would be with us, uh, share some truths with us tonight that we can, uh, that can help us throughout our week. Again, thank you for all that you do. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Today there's a, a, a movement that's coming on churches. It's called a seeker-sensitive church. And instead of being a savior-sensitive church and wanting what God wants for our church to be, uh, they are setting out questionnaires and, and wanting to appeal to the audience instead of appealing to the Lord. And uh, that's where we find a lot of churches today, the different kinds of programs and technology and feel-good theology. However, God has, uh, has saved us to serve. That's our primary focus. That's our primary reason why he's left us here is to, to serve the Lord and to serve others. In this portion of scripture here, the Bible talks about, uh, you know, looking at others um, in a better view than what we probably have been before. And God has shown us some things here. And he, he's an uh, ultimate servant and he gives the ultimate example of how we should live our lives as he, the Bible says he obeyed, or that he humbled himself and went to the cross. And uh, he was a servant, and he was a servant of others. We need to understand that God has saved us so that we can serve him and make our lives count for uh, eternal value. And we must realize that we are, we are our own worst enemies. Sometimes... Uh, 
uh, were defeated because we failed to see how God wants to use us in a great and mighty way. And uh, we need to learn to develop the mind of Christ. And you say, well, that's kind of hard to do. Well, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So we need to learn the mind of Christ and uh, use every opportunity that we have uh, to bring glory to God, as Jesus Christ did when he was hanging on the cross. Even there, he brought glory to God. Here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, I, I see that this is some good truths in this. And I, I want to bring out three thoughts to you this, uh, this, afternoon, this evening. On a few occasions, I've had an opportunity to preach at high school graduations and even a college graduation. And I'm often remind the college, the graduates, that uh, their goal is to go out and to uh, find a place where they can serve the Lord and to, that they can uh, uh, use their God-given talents and abilities that God has given them and use them for the glory of God, whether it's on uh, you know digging a ditch or whatever the case may be. But find a place where you can give God the glory and that God gets glory out of everything you do. Well, and I, and I encourage, uh, oftentimes, I'll encourage you to grab onto that lowest rung and, and hang on. And because there will be others that are climbing up the ladder, and you'll climb up the ladder of success. But uh, they'll climb up the ladder, and they don't care whose head they step on uh, in order to get up the ladder. Um, but the Bible says this, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. The position of a servant, it's lowly. It's lowly. It's a humble position. But our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is that ultimate example of a servant. The Bible says this, that he washed the disciples' feet there in Philippians chapter 2, 8. It says this, and being found in the fashion of, as of a man. You know, it was God himself, Jesus Christ, when he came to the portals, uh, he left the portals of glory and came down to this earth. You know, that was a downgrade. You realize he took on the form of man. That was, I mean, uh, God, that, now I want you to understand this. God was 100%, Jesus Christ was 100% God. He was also 100% man. And uh, so we must understand that. He humbled himself. He washed the disciples' feet. He was a servant to those in need. Once a person gets saved, they become a servant and ultimately a saint. This is done because of their new nature. God has put in us, we're no longer the servants of sin, but now we're the servants of the Savior and we're to serve one another. I want to give you three thoughts or three goals for the servant. Number one, we must destroy strife. You know, last week in the lesson we saw that Satan loves to divide. He wants to divide everything that God's doing. He wants to divide, put, cause division amongst the church. And he wants to cause division amongst families and amongst uh, brothers and, and things such as that. The Bible says this. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. You know, the Bible says he loveth transgressions that loveth strife. God has intended for us as a church and uh, as individual Christians, He has intended us for us to, uh, uh, to walk together in unity. And you say, well, Pastor, there's been a few messages you've talked about unity. Well, I believe we need to have unity. Uh, you say, well, 
you think we're doing bad? No, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is this. We need to continue to walk in unity. Paul reminded the churches all the time that we need to be in unity. We need to walk in unity and one accord. And uh, I know some people who are always, they're always looking for something to criticize others about. I mean, so-and-so, well, they do this and they do that. We don't need to compare ourselves among ourselves. Since, I, since the time I've been saved, I've been in a few churches, and, and I, found, I found this out, that there's no perfect church. There's no perfect church. This one, this church here, Putnamville Baptist Church, is probably the closest that I know of now. There's no perfect church because there's no perfect people. And the common bond that we have is Jesus Christ. So I can go to another church and, and worship and serve uh, together, not because of, uh, because of who I am, but because of who He is. And we have a common bond and we should be in unity. And that doesn't mean that we compromise on the message or uh, the things such as that, but we allow the Spirit of God to work through us uh, with working with God's people. The psalmist said this, I behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. I think it's sweet. I, I believe our church is, is, does that well. However, that we need to be reminded constantly that we need to be in unison. We need to be in one accord. Paul, you know, he, told, he yearned in his spirit. He yearned in his spirit for, uh, uh, to prevail in the church in, in Corinth. He said this, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak with the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. He constantly is reminding us, living in strife is no life, I heard someone say. Living in strife is no life. You know, I personally believe that our church strives to serve the Lord in unity. We need to be reminded daily and to stay humble and to, to serve together. We must be like-minded. There, look there in verse 2. It says, Fulfill ye my joy. And be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. The local church is a body of believers. And physically, when the body is hurting, the whole, the whole body hurts. I mean, when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. The Bible says this, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member, one of another. A few years ago, um, anybody ever had a tooth pulled? Yeah, a couple of you have. I had a tooth pulled here a few years ago. I remember having it pulled while I got dry socket. And I tell you what, when I got dry socket, they tell me to put some uh, clothes up in there and stuff like that. But I tell you, what, before I had that, uh, what happened was... it was my tooth that was hurting, but my whole body ached. And I, I mean, I hurt forever on that thing. I remember when Brother Noble was here, and he says, he says, anybody ever hit the wrong nail when they're using their hammer? He says, what happens? You hit that nail, and that thumbnail, and what happens to you? Your other hand goes over to it and says, oh, oh, and he starts kissing his thumb. You remember that? And he says, why? Because... When one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. And that's how it is in the church. When one of us are hurting, 
we all hurt. When one of us is rejoicing, we all rejoice. And we're, that's the mind that we're supposed to be like-minded and rejoicing one with another. Yeah, we're going to have different opinions. Why? Because there's different personalities. But that doesn't mean that we can't strive together and work together. One man said this, Carnal people make small problems bigger, while spiritual people make big problems smaller. Reducing friction in the local church and in your family is the responsibility of every individual Christian. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.3, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. But then... Not only are we to be like-minded, but we're to be lowly-minded. Look there in verse 3. It says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, which means selfishly, but in loneliness of mind, meaning humbly. Not selfishly, but humbly. Then it says, Let each esteem other better than themselves. Where do you think strife originates? I'll tell you. Strife originates uh, in, the, in the heart of pride. That's where it originates. The Bible says this in Proverbs 13.10, Only by pride cometh contention. Earlier I used Romans 12.4 to challenge us to be unity in the body there, for we are many members in one body. But we must be careful not to miss what verse 3 says. It says this, For I say, Though the grace given unto me, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think uh, of himself more highly than he ought to think. We need to be humble. We need to be reminded, you know, strife is always rooted and supported by pride. When I get focused on self, when we get focused on self instead of the needs of others and uh, and that's what Paul is explaining here in the scriptures. He's saying, hey, hey, let's come together. Let's, uh, let's, let's be in unity. Let's help each other. And quit looking at ourselves as, uh, well, what can I get out of it? How can I be bettered because of this? The devil knows how effective pride is. That's what took him uh, to his fall. The Bible says, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. Then I see number two, servants must, we must diminish self. We are our own worst enemies. D.L. Moody said this, the man I fear the most is the one walking underneath this hat. Abraham Lincoln said this, he said, uh, he was asked when he was running for president, they asked him, is there any man that you fear uh, in this race and any of the opponents? And he says, yes, one. And the reporter was kind of surprised because Lincoln was winning. He was winning in the polls and things such as that, you know, in the campaign. And he said, really, "Really, which one do you fear? And Lincoln said, I fear a man named Lincoln. He said, if I'm defeated, it will only be by a man named Lincoln. What was he saying there? He was saying that he was his own worst enemy and he needed to diminish himself. He was saying, I need to... I need to lessen, but Christ needs to increase. That's what John said in John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase and I must decrease. I've noticed more than ever, people are in love with themselves. I mean, they are in love with themselves. And I know this because the, uh, the only thing that the world cares about is themselves. 
We're living in a me society. It's all about what can I get. What, it's all about me, mine, and mine. And uh, the Bible says, for men shall be lovers of themselves. How convicting is that? When God points out the signs to the, the last days, you know what he says? Not, he didn't say it about homosexuality. He didn't say about same-sex marriage or drug abuse or high crime rates. All those, those things were mentioned, but this is what he mentions first. Men should be lovers of their own selves. And I'm telling you right now, church, I believe we're closer than we've ever been. Why? Because people are lovers of their own selves. It's all about self. You know, the Bible says the creature, they, love the, they worship the creature more than they do the creator. Have you ever thought that we must be living in those last days? I believe we are. If we're going to serve as an expression of our new nature, to show this new nature, we must decrease self. But also, we need to uh, the enemy, notice the enemy of evaluation. Elevation, I'm sorry. There in verse 3 it says, Let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, instead of uh, complimenting others, we often compare ourselves with others. Well, I'm doing better than so-and-so because, you know, I, I, I go to church three times a week, but they don't go to church that often, or they don't give this, or look what I'm doing, but they don't do that. God tells us not to compare ourselves with ourselves, but we're to compare ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is uh, there in John chapter 21, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by the death he would glorify God. Peter three times was asked the question, Peter, do you love me? And he goes on to tell him, yes, you know, I love you. I, I'd be willing to die for you. And Peter is apparently okay with dying for the Lord, but even in this state of, I want you to notice how uh, pride lifts up its ugly head. Look in, you don't have to look there, but John 21, 20, it says this, Then Peter, took it, turning about, seeing the disciples whom Je- the disciple whom Jesus loved, following which also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? And Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? He was looking and comparing him. He was trying to, he was trying to lift himself up. We need to be careful of elevating ourselves above others. We are to run the race that is set before us, the race that is set before me. And the problem is, is that we look over in the other lane and seeing how the other person is doing. Keep our eyes, the whole theme of this year, keep our eyes focused on Him. Don't worry about what such and such is doing or so and so is doing. Worry about what you're doing for Christ. But then I want you to notice the enemy of ego. Look there in verse 4. It says, Look not every man on his own things. I've known some very uh, egotistic people in my life. I've known some preachers that way. I've known some people that way. They think that you can, uh, you can't have. Uh, I, I've noticed a, a preacher that thought you couldn't have revival unless they were involved. And I got to evaluating myself, saying, "Lord, 
Would I be happy if revival broke out in Russia? Would I, be, would I be excited that revival is happening somewhere that I didn't have any part in? I would love for revival to break out right here in Putnamville Baptist Church. I would love that. I'd love to be a part of that. But I, I got to tell you, you know, we need to be excited when God works in other people's lives, in other churches. I found myself at times thinking, well, God, you're doing some things over here. Why, why, not you, why aren't you doing something over here? We need to be careful not to compare ourselves or, uh, and start thinking that we're really something. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Folks, everything, everything that we have is because of him. We need to give him the glory. Paul said not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. John said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. See, if God's blessing, blessing our life or our ministry or someone else's life or ministry, we need to praise God for that. The Bible says, But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord, for not he that can, uh, commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Then I want you to notice the in, enemy of evasion. Look there in verse 4 again, it says, But every man also on the things of others. Perhaps the second greatest sin after not giving God the glory is when our pride will fail to acknowledge others for what they have done. You know, maybe you've worked with people that are like this. They want to get all the glory. They want the, the boss to praise them and stuff like that. You know what? You know, we need to be careful uh, not for selfish glory and, and uh, we need to give praise to those that have done some things for the Lord. I've uh, witnessed people do some great and mighty things for the cause of Christ, of course, through the Lord's uh, leading. But uh, we need to say, you know what, praise the Lord for how God is using them. You know, uh, the Bible says this, talking about, uh, you know, Elijah, one of the great men of the, the prophets. You know, he, he, he fell in this, this category uh, because he failed to see 7,000 uh, he, he was thinking he was all alone, but he failed to see the 7,000 that didn't take a knee uh, uh, to Baal uh, because of his selfish pride. There in 1 Kings 19 it says, And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain the prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it. What about Martha? She goes, says she was cumbersome about with, a, uh, with serving, uh, about serving and, and came to the Lord and said, uh, Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? What is this? What about King Saul when God used David, a, a young a lad, to, uh, to slay Goliath? Saul should have been rejoicing. However, he wasn't. He was... He was uh, um, lifted up and, and wanting to get the glory himself. Then I want you to notice the final thing tonight. Servants must have a desire for the Savior. A desire for the Savior. Paul challenges us to give ourselves completely to God, then tells us to do so. He says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, 
And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. You see, we need to be renewed in the spirit in our minds. See, when we think incorrectly, we live incorrectly. Proverbs 23, 7, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our thinking needs to change as a result of the, the new nature that is in us. We are new creatures in Christ. We're to have a harmonious mind. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Our mind is to be in harmony with the mind of the Savior. Again, I said this earlier. We might think, well, that's, that's, uh, that's impossible to, be, to have the same mind as the Savior. It is humanly. God says, he tells us here to let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Uh, and uh, have you ever noticed that when you spend time with someone, when you become acting, you act more like them? Uh, I know it's very true in a husband-wife relationship. You, you, you know what they're thinking. You know how they act. You know uh, what they want, different things such as that. Because you spend more time with that person you know exactly uh, what they, and, and you begin to think alike. This certainly takes place in the relationship of husband and wife or in the workplace uh, with co-workers. But when you find ourselves not thinking as Christ would think, it's because we're not spending enough time with Christ. The Bible says this in Second Peter 1.4, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Notice that, partakers of the divine nature. That's a precious promise that God has given us, that we can have that same mind as Christ. Why? Because he says it here, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. You see, a neglect of God's word in our lives will leave us without direction. We don't know what God's thinking because we're not in God's word. We don't have the mind of Christ because we're not in the word of God. You see, we need to have a harmonious mind with the Lord, but also we need to have a humble mind. Look there again in our text there in verse 6 and 7. It says, Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. There are some of the most amazing words in the scripture right there. That he's God in the flesh. It's not blasphemy for Jesus to claim that he's God because he is God. Yet Jesus Christ spent his entire earthly time making himself of no reputation. Jesus is described as meek and lowly. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. What I'm trying to get to is that we need to live a Christian life that is humble. You know, God, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. Due time. But then the last thing is we need to have a helpful mind. Look there in verse 7 and 8. It says, And took upon the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus came to the earth for the purpose of living and then dying for others. Why are we here? 
we're here to be helpful. We're here to serve others. We're here to be a blessing to, uh, to others, to uh, be obedient to the Lord. The Bible says that there in Romans chapter 15, 3, For even Christ pleased not himself. What an example of being humble and helpful. He never considered himself, but he humbled himself and took upon the cross. Well, I remember when I was in Bible college, a preacher came to our college and asked, he was asked to say just a few words. He was just passing through and he came through and, and uh, Brother Manley asked him, he said to, to uh, just say a few words. And I remember he took, he just said in Luke chapter 10 and verse 30 through 37, there was a man that went down to Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among some thieves. And he said, uh, he said, gentlemen, there are some people, some of you in here, that are going to go through life beating up people. He said, just as these thieves in the story wounded this man and departed, leaving him half dead along the side of the road, that's what some of you are going to do. He said, the world today is littered with, is filled with people who, who have been used and abused by sin and are hurting and hopeless, dying as a result. He said, then there are some others who spend their life passing up. He said, by chance there came by the wounded man, a priest and a Levite, and they both looked on him and saw his condition. They passed on to the other side. But there was one who passed by, and he says, there's going to be some of you who decided to help up. He said, some beating up, some others passing up. He says, but there was some that's going to help up. This is who's known as the Good Samaritan. He bound him up, he took him up, and he took... He took him to an inn and took care of his wounds and, and uh, took care of what was needed. And he says, he says, I challenge you to be men who are going to help up others. Now, it was just a three-minute devotion. That has stuck with me throughout these years. I want to be one that helps up. I don't want to be one that beats up people. I don't want to be one that passes up people. I want to be one that helps up people. And I want to challenge you, uh, as that challenge was given to me some years ago, not to be one that passes up people. We see them hurting on the, on the side. We, and that's in the church. That's outside the church. We, we don't pass them up or we don't beat them up, but we come along the side and we help them up. And be an encouragement and help. That's what this this whole this first few chapter or verses here in Philippians chapter two is all about: is being a servant and helping others, being obedient and being a servant. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. It boils down to whether we're going to be Philippians one twenty one Christian. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Or Philippians 2.21 Christian, which says, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. The choice is up to you. You want to be one that helps, one that hurts. Self-centered pride characterizes the old nature. God has put a new nature in us. Let's live according to the new nature. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your love and how you've challenged me not to be one that is uh, that passes people up and and uh, or one that uh, beats up people, but Lord, one that helps people along the way, helps in their walk and 
uh, helps them draw closer to you. Lord, help us to be a church that is focused on you and all that we say and do. Thank you for all that you do. We'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Give me an opportunity to examine your own heart and ask yourself this to yourself. Ask yourself, am I a servant of Jesus Christ? Am I a servant to others? Do I humble myself and help others? That's the new nature that God has put in us. Sharing an attitude of prayer, I had some prayer requests that was given uh, to me. Uh, Susan Goley, pray for Susan Goley. Uh, she had shoulder surgery and would ask that you would remember Susan uh, goalie and then Laura Anthus uh, she had kidney surgery removing one of uh, removing one and praying the other is okay so uh, kidney surgery for Laura and then brother Kirk has an unspoken um, praying that uh, the Lord would restore his brother David And then just some some other things, some unspoken things that he has. Uh, and uh, so just remember, Brother Kirk, in your prayer requests. And I uh, also would ask that you would remember Brother Tim's dad, Brother Tim Watson's dad. He had a, a stroke last week, I believe it was. And so I would ask that you would remember him. How's he doing, Brother Tim's? Continue to pray for Brother Tim's dad. Um, then would ask that you would pray for Brother Ed's brother is doing somewhat better, he said. So we praise the Lord for that. We continue to pray for him. All right. Someone else have a prayer requests tonight? Yes, Miss Sharon. Okay. Anybody else? Yes, Brother Duke.
because of the way they speak to him there. He just was never used to that hard language and spitting in their faces and just awful. And so he is in the hospital, depressed there, for 30 days. And I just like for him to be remembered. Let's go to Justin. Justin. Okay, remember Justin. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for all that you do. Lord, we thank you that we can come to you, uh, Lord, realizing that there's no issue that's too big or too small. Lord, that you, uh, Lord, that you care for all of our needs and. Uh, even our desires, and Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would answer these according to your will. Lord, we thank of uh, Brother Kirk has an unspoken request. Lord, I ask that you would just meet the needs there. Uh, also, for his brother to be uh, restored, Lord, I ask that you would intervene in his life. Lord, I ask that you would be with Laura as she had kidney surgery. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just help her to recover quickly. Also, for Susan as she had shoulder surgery. Lord, I ask that you would intervene in their lives. I don't know the spiritual condition of either one, but Lord, you do. And uh, Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, that you just use this in their lives. Lord, I think of Miss Sharon. She has unspoken and praying for her grandbabies. Lord, I pray that you would just, uh, Lord, that you would intervene there as well. For Brother Duke's friends that uh, their house burnt down, Lord, I pray that you would meet their needs financially and most importantly spiritually. Lord, that... Uh, uh, Lord, that they would seek their comfort and uh, their help from you. Lord, for Miss Donna's niece, uh, niece's son, as he's, uh, Justin, as he's in boot camp, he's depressed just for all that's going on. And Lord, I ask that you would, uh, Lord, that you'd be with him. Lord, I ask that you would uh, uh, be with Brother Tim's dad as he's having uh, surgery tomorrow. Lord, I ask that you would give the doctors wisdom and Lord, that you would be able to take that they would be able to take care of that situation. Lord, again, thank you for our church, and Lord, help us to be humble and to be a church that is helpful. Lord, again, thank you for all that you do. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, thank you so much for being here tonight, and uh, we're uh, there. The offering plates up here if you have an offering, and uh, let me just give you uh, a quick, a couple of quick announcements if I can find my. Uh, I think I have it in here. Um, I do know that this coming Sunday we're having our business meeting. So Sunday evening is our business meeting. And then on the following Friday, not this Friday, but following Friday, uh, church will be leaving uh, the church here at 5 o'clock going to uh, uh, take the teenagers on their Tubin trip. And so that's going to be a, a good time. So you pray for safety as they go out and at crazy on the slopes and uh and then also wanted to let you know this we had to change our missions trip date um the mission trip we're going to costa rica but we had to change it because good shepherd has so many kids that are going uh that they didn't have uh, enough room to house us there and uh, at uh, costa rica so we had to go on a separate day and so it's going to be july the 16th through the 23rd. So you pray for us as we prepare for that. Uh, at the end of the month, we'll have another um, 
uh, teen service and everything that comes in that evening will go to our teenagers because uh, we need to still raise some money for that trip. All right, let's all stand. We'll close in word of prayer. Thank you for being here tonight. Come back Sunday for uh, our next service. All right. Brother Duke, sir, would you close this in word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for thank you for uh, helping us uh, to all come out and gather together uh, to to sing and worship you, Father. Uh, uh, we know that we know that this world is, uh, seems to be uh, more and more evil uh, and turning away from you, but. But God, help us, help us just to be determined to, to serve you and to fall more and more in love and love with your Son, Jesus. And Father, just be with each one of us uh, as we head home. Uh, keep us safe. Your angels around our vehicles. Uh, and Father, I pray, uh, I pray for Virginia uh, and Nolan. Your house burning down like this, uh, it's devastating. But, but Father, just just uh, comfort them, comfort them and work in their lives, convict them that they need conviction. Uh, but Father, just be with them. And, and Father, we love you and thank you again for letting us come out tonight. We ask this in Jesus' precious name.